This is a sports fluent presentation of the coach and AK experience with hosts Hugh Jackson and Anthony K. It starts now. Welcome to the coach and Anthony K experience. I'm your host, Anthony K, and here is always the coach, Hugh Jackson. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Anthony. It's always a pleasure to uh, spend time with you, especially in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to kick things off. There's a lo- As always, there's so much going on in the NFL. We're getting close to the playoffs. People are fighting for seeds, home field advantage, a bye week. But I want to start with the one team that seemed to be rolling, right? We talked about they had an easy schedule, and the Steelers were rolling along, 11 wins mm-hmm. in a row, and they've hit a bit of a snag. Now, we yeah. talked last week a little bit about some of the injuries, but now we saw a loss to your former team, the Bengals, which yes. probably made some people there in Cincinnati smile. But is this – now, I will say the Bengals' defense looked much better uh, mm-hmm. against the Steelers the last game that we've seen throughout the season. Was this more the Bengals' D or Pittsburgh's th- those injuries now mounting up? Because Ben doesn't look to be himself either. I think it was um, a combination, I probably should say. But before I say that, I want to make sure that I give a shout out to uh, Kevin Green's family and pass our condolences. Uh, Kevin Green was a tremendous football player. I got to know him. He was really coached. He was coached by Marvin Lewis, so he came around the Bengals quite a bit. I uh, got a chance to spend time with him. What a tremendous man, uh, tremendous father, husband. And so uh, we lost a good one, that's for sure. I was going to ask you about that at the tail end, but yeah, yeah. It's, it is important because, you know, he was 58. Eight. Yes. That's, that's young, right? That's, yeah. and yes, yeah, our condolences definitely go out to his family. Heck of a football player. I guess you probably knew him more as a man. I, as a football player, I know was just phenomenal on the field. He was. Uh, yeah, so just, I, uh, just, you know, it's, it's sad. I mean, because you get so afraid, you don't know if it was COVID related or was there some other underlying pre-existing issues. You just don't know. I mean, when somebody dies at 58 who was as talented and as in shape and took care of themselves, I thought the way he did, you just get concerned. Yeah. And there's, I don't know, did, is there any insight that you have yet on, what kind of the causes were? I hear it was a heart attack, okay. um, you know, and then, but nobody has said how that came about. You know, was there a cholesterol problem? You know what I mean? Was there Right, right. The, the details. Yeah. 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 Listen, I, I lost my father-in-law. He was 59 and mm-hmm. the cause of it was heart failure. But once we looked into it, his body was riddled, right? Brain right. cancer, colon cancer. He had, he had other things. So that's why it's, 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 it'd be interesting to see what it was because 58's young when, when, you're t- when you're in good shape. Extremely young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. But when we were talking about the Steelers, when I said it's a combination of both, what I saw was a team that looked not like themselves at all. Um, they looked disinterested in a very big game where they needed to send a message to the rest of the league. Um, I'm concerned. Ben, ben looked not like Ben at all. He looked a little old, um, looked like he couldn't make the throws. He was either high or missing or late or all of that. They still don't have a running game um, to answer. Where I was really disappointed is watching the defense, the defense that had been so, so stellar 
which was the number one defense in football heading into this game, could not stop the last placed offense of the Cincinnati Bengals and gave up 27 points. So there is a problem. They've now lost three games in a row. And I think Mike said it. They're not a very good football team right now. They got to figure out um, who they're going to be down the stretch here to kind of regroup themselves. And um, it's concerning. When they were winning those games, a lot of people pointed to their schedule and they said, well, you know, they're much like, you know, the Patriots last year where they had an easy schedule, not that any NFL game is easy, but Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, an easier schedule. And that might've been kind of a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I always countered that by saying their defense is legit. And that's a defense that can kind of carry them through. And as long, and the offense didn't look right all season. I thought they were just, they were always missing something. And, and that, you know, to your point, I always thought the defense would get them through like a game like that. Cause Finley, it's not like Finley went up and lit it up. I think he yeah. threw 13 passes, you know, that's not, you know, if he has a big game and, you know, they're just flying, you know, firing on all cylinders, you say, okay, they stole one there, but it's not like they were tremendous either. And to your point about Ben and you, you're going to know this more than I, so hopefully you can shed some light. It looks, I don't know if it's the elbow if it's the knee, the what injury, it looks like he's hurt because to your point, he's always been very accurate, right? That's what I always hear about Ben. It's he's very accurate. And you're right. I saw him overthrow, missing running backs. There's, he was missing a lot of throws where he normally, you know, that's Ben. He's always going to make that throw. I know it's hard to tell by watching, but does it look like there's more to it there? Absolutely, it does. I, I don't know if people remember, but there was a pregame segment to this game, it was on ESPN. They showed Ben before he ever went out to go throw. In the corridor there at Paul Brown Stadium with a tennis ball in his hand and throwing to a coach, just throwing off to to the right side. You, You do that if you're trying to rehabilitate something. You do that if you're trying to work through something. So I go back to your point. Maybe there's something there that we really don't know but we all know the pastor that we saw last night is not who Ben Roethlisberger is. So I think, you know, I think it'll all come out here pretty soon. It has to, yeah. uh, but there's an issue there somewhere. So with, with that first seed kind of home field advantage kind of being now out, out of reach, I think, I don't think the, the chiefs are going to give it up. I know they're still fighting. Cleveland still has a chance to take over the division, but would they ever consider if there is something wrong, do they rest Ben and just kind of get him healthy for, for the playoffs or is he too much? Cause I know him, he'll, you know, he'll have an arm dangling off and he'll want to go in and play. Absolutely. Right. But is it for his own good? Maybe do they sit him a game just to Some, see if they can get him right? You said it, Effie. Sometimes you have to protect your player, you know, and make sure you give him a chance to get back to where he was. I go back to earlier in the year when one time he didn't practice until Thursday. And he told uh, Coach Tomlin, I'll see you on Thursday. And Coach Tomlin said, nah, we can't do that every week. You know, he brought him on back in. Maybe they're at that place where he needs that, you know, where he doesn't need to be around till Thursday. Are these last two games very important? Yes, it is. Because even if they can't claim the number one overall seed away from the Kansas City Chiefs, to know that you'll play at home until you play in the AFC Championship game is also comforting too. So I think they're going to do everything they can one to bounce back. Cause I think that's what teams try to do as fast as they can. Uh, two, they need, they know they need to get their quarterback back on track. 
the week before it was drop passes. They headed into this game with the most drop passes in pro football. Um, you know, there wasn't drop passes last night. It was missed opportunities. So they got to go find that happy medium there. They got to get James Conner back. They got to make sure Ben is rested enough to make it through. But they're on a downhill, you know, deal right now. They're they're not they're they're not playing as well. They're they're not playing up to Pittsburgh Steelers football. And that's really and I'm talking about as a team. Normally you say one group. That was a team effort last night that didn't go very well. So right. And this is this is the wrong time to be sliding, right? This yeah. is when you want to get some momentum heading into this the playoffs. Is when you need yeah. to get better. Yes. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to ask you about this, but as we were talking about the team and focus and you talked about drop passes, I hear this, I've heard it a lot for the last two weeks, and maybe it's because they were losing. How do you feel? What's the, you know, the inside the NFL, if I could, feeling about Juju going in, you know, center field on the opposing team's logo? And, you know, he does these dances and he puts them on TikTok. How does, does that matter? Does that really does anyone even care or is that distracting from the team to the opposed is it something for the opposing teams to get them more motivated yeah it can be distracting to the team uh all depends on what the head coach's vision is of that you know because obviously it's been i'm sure brought up i i think you've heard mike tomlin said he's going to speak now to juju about doing that so yeah. obviously it's more of an issue than we thought it was because he had to address it and so he's going to have that conversation. It does rile up the other team, you know, and I yeah. don't think do anything to get the other team going any more than you already have them going. So, uh, right. Like nothing- the, la- the last thing you want to do, right, is give them that bullet board, yes. bull- bulletin yes. board material, right? Yes. And, and you remember, I, I think back to Terrell Owens, right, on the Dallas Star, and yes. they clock. And I get it. Like, it's, it's, it's not a respectful thing in the history of football to do. I think nowadays we're a little bit more easygoing about it, right. but I just, I always wonder like, you know, as a coach, do you, do you say, Hey, that's just, you know, Juju be Juju. Or do you say, Hey, let's tone it down. Let's not give them a reason to get right. more pumped up for the game. You know, Anthony, I, I had one of the biggest showmen in football. Yes, you did. <laughs> and, and Chad Johnson. And I really believe he did it for the right reasons at the time. Uh, Cincinnati was somewhat of a dormant, you know, it hadn't been playing good football. He brought a different passion and energy to the team. The team kind of followed it. Uh, we knew what the things he was doing. Uh, I kind of always knew. I never wanted him to go too far over the top. Uh, but I thought it was important because it gave the team juice. Yeah. What about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Blue collar. Just work. They don't, they're not about the show. Yeah. You know, they're not a dance in the middle of the field, a TikTok or whatever all that is, that's not who they are. And so right. that that's a different brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, so, you know, to your point, there's one thing to have that swagger. It's yes. another thing to, you know, make a joke out of it, I guess. Yeah. So this is an individual swagger. Right, and I, right. Yeah, I agree with that. One. Yeah. Hey, listen, when they were winning, you know, with, no one seemed to care. But yeah. yeah, even when they were winning, though, it was wrong because you knew it was gonna come back. Yeah, eventually. It. Yeah, it, yeah. Because because you know, all I saw all I saw yesterday was they showed the clip of him dancing, and then yeah. he took a nice hit there, and and they're just showing those two things back to back. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> well, same thing. Make you laugh will make you cry. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
so, so from one team not doing itself any favors to another team not doing itself any favors, but this way, this one in a different way. I hate, I hate saying tanking. I, I personally don't think, I hope not, that no, there's no professional team that purposely loses games to increase their draft stock. I can't believe as professionals, you know, as men, you're going to go out there and purposely lose a game. But the Jets, who are on pace to, you know, have the top pick and a lot of talk about them losing for Lawrence, winning and kind of maybe costing themselves that first overall pick helped the Jags, who are also looking for a quarterback. But how do you how do you see that? Like, I think you agree with me that no team's probably purposely losing. Um, That's the biggest point. You said it. No team or coach ever goes out to purposely lose because you're not going to do anything to decrease your own value. You're just not going to do that. So that's first and foremost. The second thing I think you're saying, and I think it was in the newspaper today, where players from the Jets say they were very disappointed that their fans were disappointed that they win because they're not worried about some draft pick. We're not worried about some player who may be or may not be on our team. We're worried about the people that are in this locker room. And the last time I checked, the quarterback was drafted in the first round. I think it was the second pick of the draft. So they're not sitting up there concerned about what's going to happen a year from now. These guys are trying to win. It goes back to what we were just talking about. So, no, I, I, I'm with the players. I'm with the coaches. I, I've lived through that. I know what that is. And so – you're not there for that reason. No coach or player tanks. They never have and they never will. The game is too violent and the game is, is, is too, you know, um, strategic and purposeful for any player to, to think I'm going to go out there and not give my best. Just- yeah, because listen, I, I've heard this time and time again. I've experienced myself. If you don't go out there and, and do, give it your all, that's actually when you get hurt. Because you're, you're, you're laying back. And when I hear, you know, I get it. A fan base, they want their team to have the best possible players, even if that means, hey, this is a lost season, so let's just lose games. But if I'm Sam Darnold, if I'm that offense, if I'm, if I'm the Jets, right? Again, I'm playing, you're playing, for, some people are playing for contracts. Yes. You're playing just for the pride of, you know, being a professional. Coaches mm-hmm. are playing to keep their jobs, right? Yes. If you don't win as a coach, That's right. you know, you it don't, doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't have a job. And, and, and that's why I find it, you know, frustrating when I hear that fan base says, Hey, let's, you know, this next great player is coming. Let's lose for that person. And then the other part that we don't talk enough about, I think is the culture that it creates, right? When you start losing games and you get used to losing, it's really easy to take another loss. Right. And then you look at a guy, you know, I'll, I'll bring up Brady because someone brought this up, you know, him screaming and slamming his helmet against the, the you know, against the ground, you know, 15 years into his career. Yeah, because he's not used to losing. And no one, you know, when you built that inside you that you always win, that's the culture you want to build, right? You don't want to build the other culture because in order to unbuild that, you have to change so much because that seed could run in your organization. And the next thing you know, that becomes the expected experience because that becomes your experience. You have nothing else to pull from, nothing else to grab from. So losing is okay. 
and how you lose is even becomes okay. And so I think it's really important, and I say this all the time, I don't think anybody's built to lose. And these young men who are high alpha males, when you get them to losing like that, they're going to find their wins the other way. And normally when they're finding them the other way, they're very negative. Yeah. So we have to be always on guard for that. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's, it's definitely not, it's, you know, I, I, I say it all. I keep, I think I argue about it. I just, I, I keep saying, I don't think we talk about it, but I don't think anyone can actually go out there purposely wanting to lose. Now you might say, Hey, I hope I get the top draft pick when the, you know, the season's all said and done, but I don't think you go out there with the mentality to lose. Right. And, and, and I think you're going to see it with kind of my next topic, because at the beginning of the season, the NFC East was losing a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to pick it up. And yesterday, your old quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys looked pretty good. And they're yeah. back in the conversation. They're going to give Washington kind of a run for their money. Was it a good game? Or did you see something from the Cowboys that is sustainable that could, you know, let them finish the season off strong? And maybe because that's the only way they're getting in the playoffs, right, is if, is if they win their division. Mm-hmm. Do you see something there? I do, because I see a veteran quarterback who's won a lot of games. And so anytime you have that, you have a chance. And Andy uh, has won a lot of games in his career. And I think he's now feeling comfortable in his environment with the players that are surrounding him. They're playing a little bit better on defense. They're running the ball better on offense. And it was interesting they did that without Zeke Elliott. Paul, um, yeah, Pollard looked good, yeah, but – looked yeah, I think he was also getting some good blocking, which we haven't seen. You just said it. So they were making some plays. So I think they have the taste of there's a chance. Yeah. So they're going for it. They got two games. They got to play Washington, I believe, one more time themselves. So they, they got a chance to go make a run here with two games left, and that's kind of unheard of. Now, you know, there's been teams that are 11. You look at the AFC North. I get it. But, boy, that division, like you said, they hadn't won a lot. So now all of a sudden here it is and the teams that were at the bottom, at the bottom of the barrel got a chance to really go jump the teams that all of a sudden like they were taken off there for a second. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that goes back to the previous point because here's a team that had every reason to pack it in, right? Mm-hmm. Our offensive line is having some issues. Zeke isn't having a typical Zeke season. We lost Dak early. Dalton got hurt. You know, there's every excuse in the book. They could have just packed it in and said, hey, let's focus on next year. And they kept chipping away. They kept chipping away. And now they're in the conversation again. So I, I love it. Like, hey, when yeah. Dallas is good, you know, it, things are good. It's interesting. It makes it America, interesting. They're just team, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so from your quarterback to my quarterback, mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky has looked like a different player the last two weeks, let's call it. From week one – or week two, kind of what we saw, that Mitch to this Mitch. Do you see, you know, he just, he seems like the same player, but, you know, the passes just seem to have a little bit more zip on them. They seem to be a little bit more accurate. Now, I know it's just a short, right, it's two, two games, but what, what's the difference? What, how can it be so different from those first couple of weeks to the last two? Sitting down. Yeah? You sit down and you have your livelihood threatened or look like it could be taken away or look like you could end up someplace else than 
the place who coveted you from the beginning and you get that chance again. I mean, most people don't get the chance again. He's got to nail this and he has thus far. He needs to continue to do it, as you're saying, over these next couple of games and show that he does have what it takes. And sometimes I think people need to understand, and I'll still say this about Mitch, he's still a young player. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't play much in college. He came into the National Football League. He became the starting quarterback maybe a little too soon, and he wasn't ready for it. And there were some growing pains, and now he's been through it, and how do we know or don't know? Maybe he's ready to come out the other side of it now, you know, yeah. because now he's seen it and he's had that fear of what it could be like without being that guy shown to him. So here's his chance to, to make a redemption because the Chicago Bears got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, either they're going to pay this young man or they're not. They're going to move on. They, they, this is a huge decision. I've always believed a bird in the hand is better than a bird in the bush, you know? So if he's there and you believe you can continue to get him to where he needs to be, you got to keep the player and give him a chance. Yeah. And I think people forget about how little he played in college because, you know, that sophomore slump that almost every quarterback has his, I think was worse because he didn't have that kind of college experience to kind of fall back on a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. It also doesn't help that I think, Three of the last four games, um, uh, they've been able to rush, uh, uh, you know, or have a running game that they have not had all season. Right. And, and I think that probably helps the rest of the offense too, right, when you can run the ball. No, it does. Yeah. It, it, you can, when you can, you want to help a quarterback, have a good running game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another quarterback, and this one was one that's now sitting, Carson Wentz. He mm-hmm. came out. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but kind of said, hey, I need to be a starter. Do you like the confidence of him coming out and saying, I deserve to be a starter, I'm good enough to be a starter? Or is it now's not the, the right time to do it? You know, now's the time to kind of support Hertz and say, hey, he's, he's, he's the starter now. I'm going to do what I can to help him. I love the confidence because that's who he is. You don't want to change who he is, but he does need to support Jalen Hurts. He's a starting quarterback. I understand where Carson's coming from because I guarantee you, and again, this is one man's opinion, if you had a conversation with him, there's probably some things that he would enlighten us all on about why it didn't go good for him and why it hasn't worked. Now, has Jalen Hurts come in and did some dynamic things and give them more of an opportunity? Do they look better on offense? Yes, they do. Um, But Jalen Hurts wasn't the starter. Jalen Hurts didn't have that pressure. Jalen Hurts didn't have every defense preparing for him and already have a notebook on him and know what he does and what he does like and what he doesn't like. So, you know, it, oh, the new shiny object is not always the best. And I'm not, I'm not voting and saying Carson should be back in there. There's something to injuries. There's something to the pandemic. There's something to practice time. There's something to a chemistry between the head coach and quarterback in calling plays that I've, I've seen. It, it sometimes just doesn't work. And it wasn't working for them. And now it's working for, you know, the head coach and this new young toy that he has. But this new young toy can run. Right. Last Carson Wentz could run at one time too. He got hurt. The game changed for him. Yeah. You know, did they adapt for him? That, you know, there's so many questions I know I would have. You know, and I think that's what you're seeing from him. I see 
frustration in those comments, you know, that he wants to be a starter. He doesn't want to stay if he's not going to be the starter, you know, because I think you feel like he's earned it. You drafted me for it. You paid me for it. Let me be it. If you think, if you're going to take it from me, then that means you don't think I should be there. So I think that's where that's coming from. Now I'm going to go way off into left field. Uh Uh-oh. Because I want to get into, I know we're going to get into our finance part, but I heard something. And okay. if, I'm, if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong and we'll just move on to the next piece. But I heard that you're a bit of a Lakers fan. A little bit. I, I, I heard a little. <laughs> I, right now, there was a screen over my shoulder where they were presenting my 2020 championship Los Angeles Lakers with rings. And it just warmed my heart. I well, was, Jenny Bus and the crew, they're all getting, they're getting the love they deserve today. Uh, as you may or may not know, I am also a Laker fan and um, I, I'm going to watch it later. I'm, I'm recording it. And so not that there's anything to spoil. I know it's going to happen. They're going to get their rings and they're going to go out and defeat the Clippers. Um, but uh, when I heard you were a Laker fan, it kind of, I was like, oh, I, I knew you grew up in LA. I didn't uh-huh. realize you're a Laker fan. Obviously the season is starting. Yes. Other than them obviously getting their rings and becoming by far the best basketball franchise ever in the history of the NBA. Um, any yeah. words? What do you, you know, predictions for this season? What you're looking for? Forward repeat. to? Repeat. I'm looking for a repeat. And I think we will. And uh, I am, uh, obviously, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan through and through. I had a chance to meet him. I have my own personal signed jersey from him, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for the time around him, Uh, Magic Johnson, just so many Laker greats that I've had an opportunity to say hi and those type of things with. But boy, this team and the team that they put together, Jenny Buss, uh, Rob Palenka, I think it has a chance to repeat. I'm with you. I think what they did in the offseason, their team is deeper, it's younger, uh, they're a better shooting team. I I think – this this is a better team than last year's, so I, I I'm agreeing with you, and not just because I'm a Laker fan. From an analyst perspective, I just think they've set themselves up to to win again this year. Um, and I'll tell you, I I my work moved me to Arizona, and mm-hmm. I did everything I could to get that transfer to LA. Yeah. And those three years that I lived in LA, and I was able to like go to games, it's uh-huh. those were the best as a Greatest. because I grew up. You may or may not know this. I grew up in Toronto. And we didn't have a basketball team when I was a kid in the, in the eighties. And it was either you were a Laker fan or Celtics fan. Right. And everyone I knew was a Celtics fan because they were closer. And I just went, I don't like green. I'm going LA and I've been a Laker fan since I think Michael, maybe I'm going off topic here. I think Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time, but I think, but Kobe's my favorite player of all time. And I have, and I make that distinction. It's, Hey, I get it. Jordan's probably the goat. But, you know, if you can get me to cry in a mall when I got the news, right, last year, I was in a mall and I got a text that, you know, and I saw the news start popping up about, like, and I'm crying in a mall. That's someone who's, you know, yes, I didn't know him other than, you know, just him as a player, as after mm-hmm. all the stuff that he did. But, you know, that's my, that's my guy and for, forever will be my guy. So uh, I knew that when I heard you were a Laker fan, I said, we got to talk at least a little bit about the Lakers. Yes. Um, so repeat, we'll, we'll pop some champagne uh, when they win. Or tequila. 
<laughs> or yes, some tequila. Absolutely, absolutely. I got. You know, I shouldn't bring this up because we're. You know, this is for the world to see now. But it is very difficult to get it in in Canada. No, so, it is. Yeah. So I am going to have to figure out a way. Uh, but we will get some. And uh, you know, I actually was trying. You don't know this because it didn't happen. But the first episode that we did together, I was going to try to have a bottle here waiting, <laughs> sitting on the side. I couldn't get it in time. But I do. Luckily, I, I lived there long enough. I have some friends. They're going to they're gonna help me out and ship me some. Awesome. Um, so we will then pop some tequila. Absolutely. Because, you know, is there anything better? <laughs> Not better than Grand Leander. <laughs> and it's organic. You know, and I, that's, I'm trying to live a healthier lifestyle. Don't panic. It's organic. I love that. I love that, by the way. I, I, when I saw that the first time, I was like, that's the perfect thing. <laughs> all right. So now we got to figure out how we're going to pay for all this tequila. Absolutely. Um, so we talked about our eight revenue streams every week. Yes. Last week, we talked profit income. This week, <laughs> interest income. Is right. it as simple as it sounds or is there, is there more to it? No, it really is. And that's the reason why I wanted to get into it, because I think so many people understand interest income better because people have money in a bank, have money in money markets, you know, those type of things. But interest income is the interest earned by an investor, investor's money that he places in investment or project. So I, for instance, I take money to the bank, I put it into a interest bearing account. Um, and then we know the interest rates are really, really low right now, but that money sits there and it compounds and normally makes more money every month. Now, if I take the principal, some of the principal out, then the interest is going to go down. If I let the money stay and every month I'm able to compound interest, I start to gain more capital, more principal per se. And that's what interest income is. So you're loaning out your money to a particular institution. Normally when you do that, you want it to stay for a while so it can grow and you can maximize the interest uh, process. Some people do, some people don't. Uh, the people who are smart, who make money, there's people who get interest bearing accounts and they live off the interest because they have enough money that when they get the interest payment every month and you can decide how you want it. Do you want it monthly, quarterly, or yearly? I mean, there's, you can do all kinds of things when it comes to that, but that's what interest income is and people need to understand it. And, learn. and it's, it's more of a long-term, right? It's not, you're not going to put it in and, you know, a year later, make a ton of money. Like this is a longer term kind it's of plan. Long, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's say if a person has, you know, I don't know, a half a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. And let's say somebody, and you can find places that are going to pay you sometime between two and 6%. Okay. And you let that, and, and maybe that's all the person needs for the year, the extra. And, and then maybe you take the principal out. Some people do that. Mm -hmm. I know some people that truly live that way, but, but what you said is normally what it's all about. It's about longevity. It's about having a plan for five years and then being able to take, the interest that was made not have spent it and then invested into something else right so and this you know we're going to talk about a different one every every week but mm -hmm. really if you have you know five or six or seven of these eight streams right you're not necessarily having to live off the interest but if the interest is a portion and then your profit revenue is a portion and your royalties are a portion right and then you put those together and you say hey i can live off where all the money's always working for me and I'm living off this other stuff, right? That's the perfect scenario. 
Anthony, that is the perfect scenario because you are truly making money, the people who have made money when your money's making money for you. When you're sleeping and you're not worried about there's nothing you had to do. You didn't have to put more money in to make more money. You have money coming to you every month. Now, whether you decide to spend it or not, it's totally up to you. So you said it. You want to play, and, and I said this a long time ago when we started this, maybe two or three of these streams. You don't need all eight. No right. one is going to be efficient at all eight. You got to find the three or four that fit you in your uh, financial profile, and then you have to maximize those. And the key to it, as you just said, it's being able to collect from those particular streams every month that gives you some form, and we'll get into this term here pretty soon, I'm sure, some form of residual income so that you're not touching your principal, your earned income per se. And that's when you know that you're on your way. Yeah, all right. So we're, we're, we're two down. I feel like I'm gonna come out of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably have a ton more questions, but um, if I don't come out of this in better shape, we're gonna, you know, I've got, I've got time. My kids are, my, my twins are six. I got 12 years before I got to pay for university. So that's why we're doing this, right? I think I will share with the, with the listeners and with you. So there's a, you know, I think we understand that um, the money game is starting to change per se, that um, money, paper money is kind of beginning to go away. Digital money is kind of where it's at. Cryptocurrency, those particular things. So I have partnered with a group called Voyager. It's on the Voyager app. It's a crypto uh, asset. They have their own coin. It's called Voyager, but they, they have 50 different coins that they use on their platform. But the coins have their interest bearing. Oh, okay. So you hold the coin. If you hold the coin for a certain amount of time, or if you have a certain amount of that particular coin, you earn so much interest. They have a USDC, which is just like a bank, like having money at the bank. And you have to have, if I'm not mistaken, um, please don't hold me to this. I think it's um, um, 40 or 50 VGX coins to get 9.5% of US, uh, USDC in your account, and USDC is one-to-one. So it's just like having a bank account. It's like having that interest-bearing account that we were talking about at the bank. Right, but it's, a much it's, higher interest, obviously. Yeah. There you go. Now, the difference is 9.5% of Voyager interest is not like 9.5% of bank interest. It's not apples to apples that way. But what it is, it's right around 4 0.5%. Well, you couldn't get 4.5% from a bank anyway. What are, do you, what are banks ballpark on average uh, right now? It's not even 1%. It's, it's zero, one, zero, zero, one, one something. It, it's really low right, right. now. Oh, yeah. And so, but that's, that's, that's also part and parcel, right, because of where the economy is. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're giving out money at 0.1%, so they can't yeah. really pay back yes. at a higher percentage, right? Yeah. So then go look at the other. So where do you maximize your potential with money? That's why you start looking to these other avenues of where you can place money. And people get afraid because they don't understand cryptocurrency. It's very volatile. But there's a thing called USDC that's just like a bank. And they have it there. Use that. 
use yeah. that because that that is the fear right with you know when bitcoin kind of came out there's oh, this yeah. these ups and downs and very volatile you know you're putting your real money that you worked for and mm-hmm. you're not into something you're not familiar with and mm-hmm. you know we've talked about this before too change the unknown we're very hesitant to to dive into those things because we're used to normal right normal is i'm gonna put it in the bank they, they nobody ever taught me about cryptocurrency you know you're talking about i can carry my phone around with me and i have two hundred fifty thousand dollars invested into cryptocurrency and it's on my phone you gotta be kidding me you know that that never used to happen but that's the world we live in now yeah. and if you don't if, if you don't understand these things today then you're behind yeah <laughs> and the and the change the change happened quickly because yes. i'm 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 44 my dad raised me to, if you don't have the cash to pay for something like the cash, you yes. don't buy it. Mm-hmm. And in my lifetime, it went from that paper money in hand to, I, I can't remember the last time I actually had a bill in my hand because I pay everything through my phone, through my watch, yeah. e-transfer. Like there's so many ways, unfortunately, to spend your money yes. without actually having money. That's why so, everybody says this is a million dollars. And people don't even know it is how you use it because you probably do everything on it. Exactly. <laughs> too, mu- too much, probably. Too much, absolutely. All right. So that's interest income. Next week, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll cover uh, one of the other revenue streams. Sure. The last topic isn't a fun one. And I'm going to give you kind of, I'm going to try to give you as best I can two sides of, of the story and you kind of tell me what you think. So obviously we talked about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee a couple of weeks ago in the first episode and why he did that, you know, it had to do with police brutality. So when we're talking about this, I look, the closest I can tell you that I've experienced anything like this is when I lived, I mentioned earlier, I lived in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I also had a lot of sun. So I was a little darker than I am today. Mm-hmm. And I look, I was mistaken for, um, for, for Mexican and in Arizona, mm-hmm. they give, you know, Mexican guys a bit of a hard time. So I got pulled over. I want to say I commuted from Scottsdale to Tucson about two times a month. Mm-hmm. And I got pulled over every other trip. And the second they saw my last name, they kind of asked, well, what kind of last name is this? Because it doesn't look that Mexican. And I had to explain to them, it's Greek. They, mm-hmm. you know, they looked at me a little funny, but they let me on my way. I never, not once, did I ever fear that if I did something wrong, I'd get shot. Right? I just, it never even crossed my mind. And I, you know, it was, I never did anything wrong. I was always, you know, nice, whatever. I feel like I'm a personal person. I was a sales guy. So I had that little bit of salesmanship to me to then hear stories from people who you know have to have conversations with their kids or i'm going to ask you maybe you've had to have it with players because they've got some money they got a nice car they're driving in a city maybe they're not familiar with to be careful one that's the one side of the story what is that conversation and how does it feel to have to have that conversation and then i'll get to the second part or the other side right it's frightening but you have to have a conversation. Um, people have to understand that um, we're in a we're in a time where um, a lot of things there's heightened issues, and and it was even before and now. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. 
It's no. just, we, we all just see it more, you know, because of this cell phone we've been talking about. It can capture things now and people, it goes around the world so fast so everybody can see it. But these things have been going on for a while. The first thing I would say is that we have to have the right mindset when approached by authority. Because if you don't, it could escalate. And let's just be honest, you can't win. How, how are you going to win that if it turns negative? You, you don't win, okay? And we also know what the ultimate thing is on that side is you can lose your life. Right. So I'm not going to do anything. I always advise my players, my kids, you need to be as transparent. You need to be as respectful as you can be. Now, if somebody is just, you know, coming at you the wrong way, you know it can get, we all been, we know what those situations look like. Well, you can't escalate the situation because I'm going to say it again, you're not going to win. Yeah. You're not going to win in that environment. So we have to be very careful. Now, on the other side of that, we do need to train our police better. There needs to be better training. There needs to be a better understanding. There needs to be a better approach to what they're trying to do. But we need them too. I mean, right. without, without anybody to police chaos and disorder, it's going to get worse. You know, so it, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not against police. I'm against what they have done in certain situations. Because all policemen are not bad or police women are not bad. But there's a few bad people that can make it all look really bad. Right. And so um, those who we know are, they're signs. I think the police department have to deal with those people differently. I think your, your mate who rides along with you got to deal with that particular person differently. And I just think that's, that's the way we're going to change this. But to say we don't need police, to say that we don't need to respect police, we all respect authority. Everybody respect their boss at their job. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we're taught biblically respect our mother and our father you know so there is without any order there would be chaos everywhere so we can't let that happen but somewhere we got to find where this gap has been where the police have stepped above and beyond what the call of, of, of duty has been yeah i get a lot of flack for this and and but i'm still i'm, I'm gonna say it there's wrong and right on both sides, there's, there's a middle ground, right, where we have to find it. And so, and that's why I'm going to bring up the other side, because you talked about it a little bit. And, and the argument when I say, well, look at this guy getting you know, shot in the back. And then the other side is always, well, I'm just giving you their side. It's not, he had a criminal record. He resisted arrest. Why didn't he just listen? When you hear stuff like that, how, do you respond? Do you just shake your head? Like, you know, I, I don't know if you experienced, I know you, you know, like I said, grew up in LA, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you've you know, heard at I least. Have, and I get very disappointed because that still doesn't give a person a right to shoot somebody in the back. Right. That's give the person a right to do the things that have happened. It's so easy to go point to people's negatives really quickly in a time of, of trouble. You know, uh, but how do you know what that person was doing? Let, let's walk this down and see what it was before yeah. you say, well, the person just, he didn't listen. She didn't do this. He should have did this. He should have did that. My question is, what would have you 
what would you have done if you were in that situation? And, and it becomes when you're able to put people back into those situations themselves, that's when they really see it. They, well, if they're open to seeing it. If they're open. If they're open to see it. Because some are just, hey, I'm not, I, won't, I refuse to see it and there's yeah. nothing you could do there. Absolutely. But I think, I, I think that's right. Like, I think it's, if you were in that situation, how would you react? And if you reacted the same way, would the outcome be the same? And, right. the, and if the answer is no, it'd be different, well, then there is something that we need to, to fix. And, and, that, and the reason I bring that up is because I hear it so often that, well, why'd they resist? I, I don't know the answer. You know, they had a criminal record. Well, what does that have to do with today? Um, we've all made mistakes in, in the past. It doesn't mean, you know, it has to affect your next step. Because, and then, you know, the last part is, and this is the other one that I hear way too often is, well, the amount of times that it's happening is less than other crimes. And how come they're not protesting, you know, the violence in their own community? Why aren't they protesting, you know, these other things? And I want your perspective on it because that's, that's always the one that I, I try to say from just common sense, but I always want to get someone else's opinion too. You can't make common sense of some of these things. It's not even common sense, the things that have happened. The people who say, boy, you know, um, it's this culture or it's this situation. Like I said, they have never been in that situation. The other thing I hear is people say, well, I would never be in that situation. You're right, you wouldn't. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And so you have to understand that. But so we're asking you to put yourself in their shoes, their fear, and what they're going through and how they've been uh, maybe talked to, uh, reprimanded, or wherever that is. And what would you do? Yeah. And people can never, you, they don't want to go there. And but what you're saying, and I'm not, I'm not trying to skid around the point is, I have a hard time when people don't want to have a conversation about what is right. They always want to have a conversation about what has been normal. Right. Let's talk about what's right. Is this right? Is this the right way to do things? Is this the right way things should be happening? As soon as people say, well, no, well, okay then. We don't need to talk about what this guy did 10 years ago. We don't need to talk about how it came about. Was it right for this man to get shot in the back? Was it right for this person to get beaten? Was it right for somebody just to spray an apartment, you know, because you thought that there was a drug dealer in the house? Okay, well, the guy's running through the neighborhood and you think he's running because you think he stole something and there's nothing in his hand and you yeah. shoot him, kill him. Are you kidding me? Is it right to put your knee on a guy's neck that you're gonna arrest and you have all these officers around you? It's, it's not. So to me, that's common sense. Well, I always ask the question, if it was your brother, oh my God. if it was your brother, how would you react? And I see a change in the, in the face and you can tell, well, oh, well, that's, well, is it different then? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you brought up, you, you mentioned this, so I want to go back to it because you said culture, because that's the last piece that I hear is, well, you know, the culture, the, the, the music, it's about violence and drugs and it's, well, and that's precipitate, you know, that's making it worse. And I said, well, hold on. My, my thing is, well, hold on. That music that, you know, those movies, they're coming from a place of life. 
right? This is what's experienced because of what happened that this is happening. And that's, you know, it's this vicious cycle. How do you break it? Well, you change it, you change it, you change the conversation, yes. right? And that's how you say, you know, listen, I grew up, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So in the 90s, I was a teenager and I grew up in the hip hop culture. I, you know, I played, not that this means it, but I played basketball and um, I was one of two white guys on my team and we listened to hip hop and I loved hip hop and I listened to Tupac and I listened to Biggie and I listened to, yes. you know, all, and I'm not going out and doing anything bad. It's not the music. It's not the movies, you know, and, and that's the part that it drives me nuts. Cause I always say, hold on guys. It's not, you know, the movies and the culture is a, a, a piece of history. It's, I grew up a certain way or I saw something and, and now from those life experience, I'm making, trying to get out of that is by making movies and, and music. Right. And you can't use that as an excuse. You can't say a, a police officer has the right to shoot someone because, uh, you know, it, you grew up in LA because he listens to NWA, Absolutely. right? You, you can't put those two things together. And that's the one that just blows and my mind. Our Caucasian brothers who listen to ACDC and, all that music should be, you know, put in those same situations. And <laughs> we don't feel that way. So that's not the, I, I'm. Yeah, I, it, it just, I, you know, because you brought culture, just, I always, I always say like, that's not. Because that's the way people see it. I, I yeah. mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I know we're putting some stuff on the table. We've been transparent and everything we've done. When people see black, they see it as power. They see it as strong and and maybe not as good. When people see white, they see flowers and brightness and things should be, it's a black and white issue. And people need to understand that. And that's just the truth. That, that's not a culture, it's not a music issue. No. It's not that. It, there's a bigger issue that's deeper than this and people need to understand that. I hear more people trying per se to have these kind of conversations now yeah i would still say to people keep digging keep digging and be transparent because if you don't you, you you're just you're just floating around the conversation <laughs> you know well, and that and you know i'm i'm trying to be as open and ask you as many uncomfortable questions as i can because i hope that people listen to this and they and they see a white guy talking you know I, no actually no let me rephrase that i don't want them to see a white guy talking to a black guy i want to see the see two people yeah. who are having yeah. a conversation and saying hey this is right yes this is wrong and if it's wrong let's change it Absolutely. and and if we can and that's why i thought this was so important and and that's why you know when i first approached you and i said this is a piece of i want to do every week as uncomfortable as it will be right yes. for to have the conversation, to, you know, think about people listening and what they're going to think. At the same time, it's so important that you and I and everyone who's, you know, has the ability to have these open, uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. has them. Because the mm -hmm. more that we have it, the more that we keep it in kind of in front of people, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only way anything's going to change, right? Is because if we forget oh, yeah. it, right? We talked about this, I think, last week. If we forget it, we put it in the back of our minds, it doesn't change. I think people um, have to understand the fear that minorities feel and why. And I think minorities need to understand and truly understand and feel 
while, while I, our Caucasian brothers and sisters have fear of us and truly understand that. And, and to me, if we can start with that conversation first, you'll get somewhere because yeah. you really then have to say who you are and they have to hear who you are. I didn't say they have to accept who you are. Sometimes it's not even about accepting, but it's hearing. Because if you hear and you understand just a little bit, maybe there's certain things you wouldn't say. Maybe there's certain body languages you wouldn't give off. Maybe there's certain feelings you wouldn't have yeah. if you understood the person better. And it go, and I mean, that's from both ways. That goes both ways. That's where the issue is. And we got to quit walking into situations with all these pre-existing thoughts that, this is the way this person must be, I really, you know, uh, this, well, you, you set, but you, right. You set that off because if I go into a situation and I feel, Hey, you know, coach is going to come at me because he's a big, strong black man. I better put my defenses up. Well, guess what? Yeah. We probably are going to have a confrontation because I'm going in expecting a confrontation, you know, and it's funny. I'm going to leave you with two really opposite stories because I didn't get it as a teen. But I was in the car with a friend of mine, and he's, he's Bayesian, very dark. He was driving. We got pulled over, and I saw him. He was sweating. So I said, relax. Like, it's cool. Like, you were doing five kilometers below the speed limit. We're good. He goes, yeah, no. And he's sweating. And so the officer comes in, starts asking him a bunch of questions, kind of hard on him. And, I, and, and he said, why were you going so slow? It's very suspicious that you were going slow. And he said, well, I'm just driving him to his house and it's late. And, you know, I was doing five kilometers under. So anyways, he said, gave him a warning and, and left. And as he drove away and, you know, we were two blocks away from my house. I said, why are you sweating? Why are you so nervous? He goes, because we just, it happens all the time. I get pulled over all the time. And I purposely don't speed so that it won't happen. And it happens and I'm scared. And I thought, wow, I've never been scared. And then I think back now, well, fast forward, but back from today. And I was driving from Denver to San Francisco, long drive. And I just got out of Colorado. I was driving through Wyoming and I was going fast. I will be the first to admit I was doing uh, maybe 90 or something in, in, in a 65 or something, maybe 70. And I got pulled over. And I don't know if you know the Wyoming police, but you got the chin straps in front of the chin and the oh, yeah. big hats, right? And so as he's coming to my car, and it's the first time I ever went, oh, my God, he unbuckled, right? He unbuckled and had his hand kind of just, just his gun, just out of the holster. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, what, why are they doing that? You know, just first time ever. He gets to my car, asks me a couple questions, says, you know how fast you're going? I'm not going to insult him by doing the accent, but when I tell my friends, I do try the accent. But so you know how fast you're going? I said, no. He said, I clocked you at 88 miles an hour. And me being me. I looked at him and said, not even thinking, right? How crazy this is. Too bad I wasn't driving a DeLorean. I could have gone back in time and driven by you slower. But he laughed and said, you know what? That's funny enough to get you out of a ticket. And he let me go. And then I thought back to my experience as a passenger. I was like, he never could have got away with that. And that's not right. That's what the difference is. Because that was funny. I thought that was a really good joke. Oh, yeah. No, I think that is real. Yeah. What you just described is real and it happens every day, but it happens every day the other way. Yeah. You know, and it's just, that's what we have to stop. You know, I, there's something about when a po police approaches a car and has been a man of color, 
that that thought goes off, you know, that something bad could happen. I, that's just what I see and what I hear. And I just think we, we can, and again, the people, they are, it, it, I'll be the first to say, there's been some people who handled it the wrong way too, that they have been bad people. And they are, you know, the, the officer are in, in, in a threat, you know, so I get that too. So it's, we all have to do better. Right. Yeah, because it is. Listen, let's not take away from the police, right? They are one of the toughest jobs where they oh are God. in harm's way. And I get it. You got to be careful because, you know, your life is on the line, too. So that's not to take away from it. I take I'm, I'm with you, too. We definitely need the police. Yes. But there's obviously some yes. thing that needs to at least be improved upon. So that's I'm going to last absolute last part of this that I want to ask you because you're in Cincinnati. I would assume most officers, I hope, know who you are. Do you, does it ever cross your mind, you know, like when, if, I don't know if you get pulled over very often, but does it ever cross your mind, like, I got to be careful or do you get the, hey, coach, right? Oh, hey, everything okay, coach? Like, do you get that? I've gotten the, hey, coach, you know, more so than anything. That, and that is privilege. I hate to say it, you know, so there is a form of privilege that has been extended to me. And sometimes I do feel bad because of it. And sometimes I'm happy about it because it gets me out of certain Yeah, right. But at the same time, I think if, if, a, if somebody can come to my car with that kind of respect and love, I'm going to give it back. You know, and I just think if you approached every situation that way with respect and love, then we would have a lot less of the killings and the, in, the unsensible killings that we've had. You know, but I think it does have to work both ways. Yeah. It just does. All right. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I know for me, it's important, but it's never comfortable. Uh, oh. But that, that's why we're doing this. Like, we need to have these uncomfortable conversations. So I thank you for being kind of so transparent about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go watch some Lakers. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, any, any last words before we let you go until next week? No, I just, again, I just can't thank you enough for what we're doing because we are putting it out there. And I think you have to. And I like first to even dig, dig deeper because I think I want to have an impact just like you do on people and thoughts and direction and what people think is, is good. And maybe we can just spur some, some thought, you know, for people to maybe look at things just a little differently. And it might make a huge difference in uh, saving somebody, helping somebody, uh, giving somebody a better opportunity at something. So that's why I really enjoy this time on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, if I, it doesn't need, I, I personally, it doesn't need to be a big change, no. right? I think if everyone makes, on both sides, right? If everyone makes a little change to come Look. together, that'll make a big difference. It Everybody says that when come together, and we got to, and to me, that's going to be one of our stuff. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. And I think, I think people got to understand because, because when you said that people, what do you mean come together? So you're going to come together to me on this side of the line? Or what, what does that mean? You know, we're going to come together and do what? You want me to think like you, look like you, see you? We need to come together it means a lot of different things to a yeah. lot of different people. All right. Know? Well, we'll definitely talk about it in the upcoming weeks. And I'll leave it with come together means for me, accepting people for, for how they are. So um, that'll be a good conversation to have. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, coach. This has been the coach and AK experience. 
Get the full Sports Fluent experience at sportsfluent.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. You can search us on YouTube at Sports Fluent, and don't forget to subscribe. Or if you're looking for some great merchandise or to support the podcast, visit sportsfluent.com slash merchandise.